When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Buckets and Tea NBA podcast. I'm your host, Catherine Niker. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode. My guest today is a prolific NBA writer. Uh, she recently did a cover story for Dime Magazine about James Wiseman. I highly recommend it. It's all about uh, his journey through his injury recovery therapy picking up music, how Clay Thompson inspired him to keep going. It's a really awesome feature uh, as well. Uh, she has a weekly feature on Substack called Basketball Feelings. And I feel like it dives into the NBA in a very unique way and the only way she can. It's Katie Heindel. How are you? I'm very well. That was a great intro. <laughs> Thank you. You know, I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying you. to step up the professionalism, you know, Katie. <laughs> I felt it. I felt yeah? it. I was okay. like, what is Sweet. this? A TV, TV segment? Did it feel that way? It did. Oh man. It's called growth. It's <laughs> called growth. Uh, you love to see it. Um, Katie, you know, I'm really glad I have you on this week of all weeks because it's been a weird week. It has you been know, it's week. just been a weird week. There's been anti-Semitism. There's been a lot of weird stuff going on. Um, you know, we talk about the world and the NBA, and then we dive into the Raptors stuff. Uh, let's get all this kind of Kyrie stuff out of the way. I feel like I don't even know where to start. Obviously, mm -hmm. like, I don't support hate speech of any kind. Not that I don't support free speech, but, the you know, Mm -hmm. It's just things have consequences as they should. And it's been upsetting. And I feel like I almost wanted to start this off by saying, like, obviously, I don't support this. But I feel like we just live in a world where it's not even that obvious anymore. Mm -hmm. And, it, mm -hmm. you know, I feel like, you know, like Josiah and other people, the NBA came out and were just like, we don't support his comments, which is really, I suppose, all they can do. I felt like you wrote. <clears throat> Sorry, you wrote an amazing piece about this in Basketball Feelings, and you had a quote or a bit of a quote. I'm going to try and I'm going to try and read this, Katie, off the top here. Okay. Uh, you wrote some of this is about the perception of media's place in sports or anywhere and the changing perception of what sports should include for Irving, eventually curtailing questioning about his aggregation of Alex Jones about sharing an anti-Semitic video because the questions weren't about basketball is a convenient out as much as it is a glaring non sequitur when none of his teammates nor his coach wanted to talk about how bad a game of basketball it was that they just played. <laughs> and I feel like that really nails it for me. You know? I mean, I think for me, um, I watched that I watched that presser a few times because I did write about it and I did get kind of frustrated anew every time at different different parts of it uh, every mm. time. I think Kyrie's kind of fainting and shifting away from questioning when it was convenient to him or when he was pressed on something is pretty telling. 
Um, I have like, this now feels like a too harmless uh, comparison, but I have a friend who says Kyrie Irving's kind of like one of those people you knew in like college or university who just like gets, takes like a poli sci class once and then just gets like, do you know about this? Mm. But again, mm-hmm. that now feels almost like too like, innocent or maybe like ignorant of a comparison because it's clear he kind of, he knows what he's doing. But that specifically, that line of when he was trying to kind of um, shift it away and, and shut it down and just be like, does anyone have any like basketball questions? was really interesting to me because there was a good chunk of last season when, you know, like Kyrie didn't even want to play he didn't play basketball. He didn't want to talk about basketball. And so it's to me like a very convenient shield to bring up. And like that game was garbage Mm -hmm. and every, like all his other teammates knew it and felt it. They were super frustrated, you know, with how the team played with how the nets look, which is not great to start Mm -hmm. the season. So again, it's just like that to me seems such an obvious, um, way to try and deflect, which, which to me was the, the entire line of that, Presser, um, just deflect a lot of double speak, you know, talking about the platform he had, but then doubling down, you know, not even five minutes later and saying, like, what platform do I even have? And I don't think Kyrie is naive enough, you know, like, I do think he's an intelligent person. I just think there's like a certain level between like intelligence and willful ignorance and naivety. And um, he is no longer like, <laughs> on the tightrope of that. Like, I feel like Mm. he's tumbled understandably off of it. So for someone like that to just say like, I'm not promoting anything. Like he lives in the same world that we all do, which is what I was trying to really distill as best I could uh, in what I wrote about it, because it's not just one thing. Like this is the reason this is happening to me seems like a, a lot of different, there's a lot of different factors that play into it. But the main thing being that Kyrie can't excuse himself you know, from like the online world that he and we all participate in mm-hmm. and say that, you know, just on a whim, he kind of posts something and isn't going to understand the implications of that or how many people are even just going to see it. Like I was going to make a reference in that post, but I was like, this feels too light. But I was like, you know, the only people that can maybe do that are like your older parents who are like, right. I didn't know what I was posting. I didn't know how like Instagram works or Facebook works, but like you can't, that doesn't work when you're. Yeah. Cause he, he said something along the lines of he's just doing this for his community, quote unquote. And it's mm-hmm. like, no, your platform's larger than just the people who follow you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I'm like still kind of unclear. Like if you want to talk that talk and, talk about like being a community builder you know and like looking out for a community I don't really feel like he has necessarily backed that up I was chatting about this last night at the game with a couple people and like obviously Kyrie Irving has done a ton of philanthropic and community work and like donating money I think that's very important and necessary and I'm not like trying to deviate from that but now this pattern is like does something kind of awful and then like donates a ton of money And like you see that pattern typically in like more conservative Mm -hmm. or like right wing, you know, like frankly, kind of like dangerous political figures or just like, um, you know, public figures. And you can't excuse like you just you, you can't not just you can't just throw money at something and not take accountability. Right. And I don't know. It's a dangerous situation right now. It seems like his words have the potential for 
to, for harm to, to befall mm-hmm. people. And I think that's another thing where we can't just look at it anymore and be like, oh, he's just like, you know, messing around on the internet. Or like, yeah. why, why does it have to matter so much? It's like, well, because we've seen that it does. And some people, you know, take this kind of stuff really seriously. And it informs not just their perspective that they themselves kind of look through the, the world at, but like their actions. And that's mm-hmm. where there's potential, I think, for real harm and danger for a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, Katie, I think all of that's really well said. I couldn't agree more. And I think like... um you know, I, I've said this before about Kanye or about Kanye. Wow. About Kyrie Irving, I mean, you know, say both, kinda, both are yeah, going both through are, it right now. Yes. Uh, I feel like with Kyrie, I feel like he, in the last few years, he's approached basketball as someone who doesn't love their job. Mm-hmm. And I think with a lot of people who kind of get on this and start spewing this kind of hate and looking for this kind of attention, it's like, there's always something else going on. Mm -hmm. You know, there's always something going on beyond just the words themselves. And I don't, (laughs) I don't mean that to give him like sympathy because I feel like accountability is really important. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, I just, I've felt this way for years about Kyrie. Like there's something else going on with this guy. And I like you said, you know, it's just going to keep growing and growing. I as a, you know, like I do stand up comedy mm-hmm. and there's this part of me that just doesn't want to acknowledge what he's saying because in stand up comedy it's like if you're getting booed, that's not the worst thing that can happen to you because you're still getting attention mm-hmm. and people are still paying attention to you. You're still captivating people. Mm-hmm. It's when people just start talking around you and they're not even listening to you. That's the worst thing that could happen. And there's this part of me that wants to treat him like that, mm-hmm. but he's just too big for that. And like you said, like these words have the potential to cause harm to others. And so you can't ignore it, but it's just, it's so frustrating. I'm just, I don't know if I'm just getting completely dejected at this point, but it's just really frustrating, you know? Yeah. And I think it's pretty normal. Like that's why I I think something that surprised me have been seeing a lot of the comments or commentary about it, where it's like, how is this a basket? Like, how is this related to basketball? Or like, that's the criticism that like, you know, media or like journalists get in those situations of like, Mm -hmm. why are you asking about this? It has nothing to do with basketball, but it's like, it does because we've also made all of us collectively fans, media, uh, basketball players themselves have turned the NBA into a product that offers like things to opine on and like have takes on and engage with 24 seven, 365 days a year, right? It doesn't mean that everything is like important, worthwhile news, but like this is, this has been generative over so many years. And the NBA is aware of it too. Like that's what happens when you're trying to make like a multi-billion dollar business and expand it globally. Like you have to engage with everyone at every level, not just like kind of your traditional quote unquote fans who are just there to like watch basketball. So Mm -hmm. it's sort of the reality that we live in. I, I also kind of quibble with the people's general understanding of like what journalists jobs actually are just because Mm -hmm. you're like a sports beat writer, you know, like it doesn't mean that you can then just ignore the bad things that like the people whose job it is to like produce that product in this case, basketball and the athletes that play basketball do just like, it's not your job to ignore the good things. Right. And the, the humanizing things. Mm -hmm. So it's important to cover that like that in its like totality. Um, so that's just been, I don't necessarily know how to square that away yet, 
but that's been an interesting thing to see happening. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I, uh, I'm like, yeah, we can move on to our next topic. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of grim off the top here today. This week, it is everyone. A little bit grim. And it's, it's a little all, like, grim. all to say that, like, because I'm going to say this with, I think, the next thing we're going to talk about. But the difficulty in these situations is, I think, also in, in sports media, the, the idea is that, like, these things are kind of one and done and very finite, whereas, like, these specific things are not, right? Like, mm. they're, like, there's a lot of layers to them. They're not like they're going to be ongoing. You know, you don't just kind of get to talk about them and like put them away on the shelf like a game. Right. It's like it's they they're not they're very messy and very nuanced. And that's a problem uh, in traditional sports media because it hasn't always been able to tackle those things in that way. Yeah, I I agree. And I feel like it's just do you find that it's a lot to hold at the same time? It can be definitely. I mean, I think that's why I write about them because for me, that's an outlet. I think it's important to kind of, if you're going to keep a hold on these things and engage with them, which again, I think to some degree is important um, as a fan to like expose and be honest about this, the kinds of things that you're seeing uh, and not, you know, be ignorant to the whole picture. Mm -hmm. But I think it's important to keep a light hold if that makes sense you know to realize that these things are fluid and changing um and to maybe be okay with the fact that like your mind or opinion about something may and will probably change if more information kind of comes out and i'm not trying to be like dark and hinting at what what i think we're going to talk about now but um yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i um <clears throat> yeah all right <laughs> I, had, I had so much I was going to dive into and then I thought maybe we'll move on to uh, our next topic which is Josh Primo so yeah Josh Primo was let go um, somewhat abruptly by the San Antonio Spurs because um, he was we're just he was flashing women mm -hmm. uh, a multiple there were multiple instances um, including some of the San Antonio Spurs staff and so he's been let go from the team uh, there's talk about potentially he could get picked up by another team. Mm -hmm. uh, he said he's going to take a bit of a mental health break. And um, I, I will say as, as horrible as this is, the one positive I can say is I appreciate the accountability. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, again, like, it's not, it's not about like a, God, I don't want to get into a cancel culture debate, but it's just, you know what I mean? It's like, he's not being canceled. He's not out of the league forever. It's nothing like that, but it's just like, you did this thing. It's wrong. You're holding yourself accountable by saying you're gonna take a mental health break, which I hope is real. And I think it's real. I don't think that's a performative thing mm -hmm. on his part. And hopefully he can figure those things out for himself. Mm -hmm. um, I find personally as a female basketball fan, and I'm sure all female sports fans deal with this to some degree. It's tough because it's like basketball is supposed to be this like great escape, right? Like it's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be our entertainment. It's supposed to be the thing that we go to, to get away from all the BS in the world and in our mm -hmm. lives and all that stuff. And I think like women are drawn to fans or drawn to sports in a similar way, male sports fans Mm -hmm. are drawn to sports but then when it comes to stuff like this i'm personally just finding it harder and harder to just like pretend it's not there 
you know, I don't want to pretend it's not there, but I also really want to keep enjoying basketball. Mm -hmm. And I just find like, it's, you know, in this case, like I am grateful that there was accountability here, but there's just so many circumstances where accountability isn't there, or maybe there's like some inconsistencies in the way we're kind of approaching it. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, thinking like Robert Sarver or somebody like that, where like, a year suspension just feels so light mm-hmm. in comparison to what was actually happening there. And I just find like, I'm just going to speak for myself. It's getting harder and harder to just enjoy the game. Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm the only one, maybe I'm an Island with that. And that's cool. And for those listening, I appreciate you very much, you know, but yeah, I'm just finding it hard. And I feel like you are full time in this space and you very much speak your mind, especially in basketball feelings. How is it for you? Just like, I'm just going to keep taking up space. Is that, is that well, the thing for you? First, I didn't mean to railroad you. And no, like, I railroaded myself fully. Off of like what? Fully, fully, fully. <laughs> okay. I railroaded myself. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it kind of goes back to what you were saying before of like how you keep a hold on these things, right? And mm-hmm. I can kind of choose, especially as a woman in this space, like how you choose to engage with it. Sometimes you don't have a choice because you find out about these things like at a game right or like you know they kind of pop up as Mm. they do like in the middle of your day you could be working on a story you could be Mm. like hanging out with your friends and family you could just be like trying to take some to downtime and like necessary time away from it um i think for me again like the thing i always come back to is just like writing is a good outlet it's frustrating sometimes to feel like oh this is like to feel so repetitive and like a broken record and like i'm Mm. writing about the same thing again And I guess for me, that's like a lot of domestic violence and Mm -hmm. sexual assault allegations within the NBA. But that does pertain, I think, to like how being a woman in the media space, um, that does, that does, and like how the league handles these things, that does inform the way that I engage with it. I can say Mm. like, empathize with what you said uh, in terms of feeling like it's harder to enjoy basketball. I sort of had a stretch of that myself, but I think it was with specifically like fandom and the Raptors and Mm. kind of not necessarily understanding or wanting to, or feeling like I could engage with the team in the same way uh, around the Terrence Davis allegations and the team Mm -hmm. on that season, you know, um, and kind of quietly shipping him off when they got the opportunity to, Um, and using the justification that like, Oh, we talked to all the women that we employ and they said this was fine so there's things where you're like you're <laughs> yeah. left wanting right because you're like that doesn't make it that wouldn't make any sense anywhere like why do you mm-hmm. think sense here um so that kind of stuff is hard but i think um if you feel like yourself sort of not engaging with it in the same way it's totally fine to like take a step back or kind of hold your fandom at arm's length i don't think that's like means you'll never watch or like or engage with mm. basketball in the same way again. I just think, you know, like we were talking about earlier, like everything is just, I think maybe going to get a bit more nuanced. I think especially if you're like a woman in the space and you uh, are engaging with it, it sucks because yeah, as you said, like you do want it to be an escape. You do want it to be kind of one dimensional sort of like hallowed ground, but um, there's constant reminders, right. Of the real world kind of creeping in and why that's not always um, possible. Yeah. 
I uh, I appreciate that. I'm also like, I also go through phases with it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's some mm-hmm. times where I'm just like having just the best time as an NBA fan. You know what I mean? Just yeah. absolutely having the best time. And then there's just other weeks where I'm just like, oh God, not all of this again. Yeah. Um, yeah. To your point about Primo though, I do want to say like, you know, I've seen the line of um, questioning around uh, him saying it was a mental health um, that it was like stemming from mental health, his actions and behavior. And I don't want to totally discount that. I understand like the dangers and maybe using that as a trope. I also kind of want to underscore the fact that like he's incredibly young. Yeah. And like a, this has apparently happened so many times in a short period of time that it does kind of, it does make me quite like usually that kind of instance is a, is a trauma response and is a response. It's like a power dynamic thing, right? At least, mm-hmm. you know, when we've kind of encountered this in the public sphere before, um, but he's such a young person. So I, I mean, we don't really, we we only know what we know. So I'm not trying to also speculate on somebody else's mental health or their, you know, reasons why they did or did something. And I'm also try, not trying to like, side not with the women who've come forward and there's going to be a press conference i think on wednesday and i think we have to take that into account because that's a little bit unusual in this case and like the spurs taking such quick action as well is a little bit unusual in the Mm -hmm. grand scheme of like the nba right so it seems like it's a big this is like tip of the iceberg stuff you know it seems like there's probably a lot more going on and it's fluid again. So I think the the thing with this is like, there's so much nuance to it. You can't just, it's not just black and white. You can't just be like, chuck this guy out of the league, you know? And then like, I agree with you. It's, I don't know if it's like, it it is very good to just like remove somebody. And then it's kind of like, you know, brush your hands of it, like case closed. Um, it doesn't really solve anything. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're recording this Tuesday afternoon on yeah. November 1st. So if something happens like after we've recorded this, then, you know, that is what it is. The basketball news cycle is very uh, fast moving. But um, yeah, I mean, who knows? You know, I'm very intrigued to see what will happen on Wednesday. But, um, you know, I, I do appreciate anyone that's trying to better themselves. And so I just really hope that that's very very uh legit on his part and i'm not gonna doubt him as of now yeah and i also wonder like as someone who's so young like the lexicon maybe of language he has to express Mm. like what is happening maybe Mm -hmm. mental health and like you know trump like those are things that yeah whether you like it or not that you hear them a lot now i'm not trying Mm -hmm. to say that they're just like chalk phrases for him but like maybe he doesn't know how to explore or like it's a big thing to ask someone to like publicly make a statement of that so mm-hmm. again like it's tough because it's like i abhor his actions like i do not condone that shit mm-hmm. but it's also again you got to keep a light hold this, this, stuff, <laughs> this stuff is just moving so like you i think that's the best way to like stay sane about it you know you, you yeah you don't want to just plant your flag on like a a hill and be like, um, this is the one I'm dying on. Of course. <laughs> As you said, it's been a weird week. But... It's been a weird week. Uh, yeah. But that is that is the best advice, Katie, and I appreciate that. Um, all right, let's go on. <laughs> we are, this is now officially the We Are Trying podcast. <laughs> 
Um, okay, we have some other more lighthearted uh, NBA news. I want to talk about the 76ers. Um, mm-hmm. We will talk about them in context to the Raptors coming up for sure. Um, but I also want to talk about them losing uh, two second-round draft picks mm-hmm. due to essentially tampering uh, with free agency, uh, mainly with P.J. Tucker, uh, that they just were, were essentially talking to him and negotiating bef- before the actual free agency period. And that is the league's punishment for him. Uh, you know, I think it, it kind of sparks a bigger debate about um, about free agency and tampering because it's like it's kind of the equivalent of getting a ticket for jaywalking. In my opinion. <laughs> right you know like the league is trying to uphold these rules but they are rules that just like no one follows Mm -hmm. and it's probably time that some of these tampering rules are like revisited and potentially revised which will probably happen um maybe the next time the uh players um the players association wants to renegotiate but um katie what do you think or like uphold them similarly across the board right if you're going to kind of met out um punishment like this uh it's got to be a bit more unilateral because as you said this happens a lot the league is very small not everybody are like best friends but like guys talk everybody knows everybody mm-hmm. so like how do you determine like what's you know Embiid or Harden texting PJ Tucker because they're friends and then what's like egging him on to kind of come and join this t- this team or like was it Daryl Morey directly you know so yeah. would I tamper for PJ Tucker? Absolutely. I think it's <laughs> worth it to lose the picks. But Sixers fans might feel different. <laughs> I mean, they're second round picks. Right. So, so like yeah, at this stage. So yeah, a second yeah, two second round picks for, for right. PJ Tucker. Yeah, and then also too, I I assume um you can correct me if I'm wrong, those picks, do they that like where do they go? Like, do they go to the G League? like where do they where do they go i should know but i don't they just go into the ether it's like goodbye goodbye other job opportunities yeah like they don't they maybe re um i don't know are they redrafted can i google this quickly on the fly yeah let's google this quickly on the fly because i mean it it, yeah that was just so weird to me because i'm like oh like you're just gonna take draft picks away but who gets them right or they're just two fewer spots in the second round because we're just like we'll just bury the second round and then some team will just have an extra spot on their g league team um i'm not yeah so it's an interesting punishment where in this first one thanks the athletic give us some more (laughs) details next time (laughs) Uh, that's so funny it's like what is my what is my subscription for huh the athletic subscribe that was a free yeah i'm not (laughs) (laughs) used to have a free subscription that ran out Uh, yeah you know what um what i've done it's just so bad so like of me but like you know you can subscribe and get that deal for like a few months and then you unsubscribe for a bit and then they just start pining for you and then just keep offering you more discounts and then you resubscribe yeah, and you can just like do a- that back and forth and save yourself a ton of money. That's smart. That's also yeah. the New York Times is like a whole thing, and that makes sense because yeah, is, um, yeah, they're rescinded. They've rescinded the second round picks in 2023, 2024. We knew that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Where do the picks go? I don't know. My guess is it has something to do with the G League, but I'm not entirely sure. I was say. Um, fair. Hey, now you know we've done our research. <laughs> we tried to do some research. Someone's going to comment. You, it's yeah. go here. Uh, yeah, but I, I think it's, I think it's a, I don't think this is going to change anything. I do think that people will continue to tamper. I think teams are just like, fine, we'll just give up our, our second round draft picks, whatever. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, but Especially, I do think, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. No, no. I keep no, you please. Interrupting you. It's not no. right. You're the guest. Catherine. No. <laughs> please. <laughs> no, just I I do think that this whole all the rules around tampering are worth revisiting because I think it just makes sense to be realistic about how free agency is negotiated. I mean, I believe teams recruit players even years in advance. Um especially like the bigger players. Like I think they're on that like years and years prior to their actual free agency and i i just it's like why are we pretending that that isn't happening you know no i agree and uh, i i think so too i also think that um what i was going to say is that the punishment in this case it's not necessarily so steep for a team like the sixers who like gets what they want which is they they wanted these guys in the immediacy right they wanted their impacts this season um, so then it's like, if you're building a team like the Sixers, where maybe they view themselves as like a few little like tweaks here and there as being a, like away from a, I don't know, finals contention. Right. Mm-hmm. And then what are two second round picks, right? You're not in, you're not in this kind of timeline where you're trying to develop your team in the same way that like, you know, our Toronto Raptors team mm-hmm. is, you know, uh, or the Spurs are, for example, like it's, it's less, I guess it's, it's less a severe punishment because of where they are in their own competitive timeline. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can't really ch- like change that. Like it, cause that will be, that's like a flux thing that it changes like season to season, depending on like the wins of the league, you know, and what's happening in a season. So then again, it's like, this might like, this would be a devastating, um, why am I blanking on the word of the punishment? <laughs> We've only used it like 10 times. I know. Episode, honestly. My brain was just like, enough. Um, don't stop saying that. But this would be a devastating punishment for a team like that was trying to develop talent. Like I think mm. of the Warriors in like four years or something. You know what I mean? Right, right. Or like maybe even less. But um, for the Sixers now, it's sort of like, eh. like I can't see Maury really losing that much sleep over it. Yeah, um, that's true. I would love to see these picks in their own lottery, the tampering picks. Yes. That would be fun. Like a bonus. Yeah, lottery. I think there should be a yeah, I think there should be a bonus lottery for the other teams who didn't tamper to then get the tampered picks. That's more loose because you're like, what is the criteria? It's like who's been behaving themselves? Adam Silver just decides. <laughs> Silver Have just you been good? Yeah, who like, did and didn't get caught? Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, it's like Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. Essentially, yeah. It's like you might as well have him dress, dress up as like Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny and like give out the tamper picks. It would be well, entertaining. That's, that's how things would be if I ran things. Anyway. Um... <laughs> okay, there's been a ton of Miles Turner talk. He's really trying to shoot his shot to mm-hmm. get to the Lakers uh, by explicitly saying the Lakers should do 
everything they can, including trading their very infamous 2027 and 2028 first round draft picks to get him. Mm-hmm. Katie, if you were Rob Palenka, do you make that trade? I don't want to put myself in Rob Palenka's brain because it's not, I don't know what's going on in there. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if it's really working. But he's pretty comfortable. So maybe I do. Um, <laughs> look, like, is the, there's a water crisis in California, like a 20, 2027 feels like dire straits in California. Who knows what, maybe that Lakers team will yeah. be relocated to somewhere. <laughs> no more almond milk in no. California. Yeah. You no. just, you will be destroyed. Maybe it'll be like uh, relocated to the shores of Lake Superior, you know, Great Lakes. we got a lot of water up here. Who knows? Right. But um Minnesota has two teams now, the Timberwolves yeah, and now the Lakers, as they once were. North, exactly. Uh, I don't actually mind this as a thing that happened. I don't know. When your name is constantly, constantly for years being thrown around in trade scenarios, right, and, like, being stipulated on for you to just go, like, on Woj's podcast and be like, yeah, trade for, for me. <laughs> like you're just saying what everybody else has been saying about you you know yeah. for years and years it shouldn't really be a surprise um I did see what Miles Turner said about that because obviously he got some blowback from Indiana fans and he was like look like I was drafted to this team this is the only team I played for in the NBA obviously I like to play for this team but like what's been the plan for me for right. the last few seasons and because I think the plan for the Pacers has been like a soft, if not severe tank. Um, and like trying to use Miles Turner's name as like a bartering chip to get either like new talent into um play alongside whatever hypothetical picks you're gonna get down the road. But um the Lakers are in shambles. <laughs> If Miles Turner even wants to go to the Lakers, I feel like that's, you know, like you're taking a lot on your shoulders with that as well. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. I don't hate it. I think it's very interesting if this is going to be something that like happens going forward where players like can talk openly uh, about like where they might want to go. Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's kind of intriguing because there this year's unique in that there is going to be a large tanking race. Yes. More so than previous years for Victor Wimbignana. And if you're Miles Turner and you're like, this team is gonna dump me for Victor if they can anyway, mm-hmm. if I would imagine it would be harder to be motivated to try and really build something there. If you know, like, Oh, they could easily just not want to build this with me. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of players, you know, I obviously there's appeal to being in LA, right? Like you're going to work with LeBron James, who you're going to learn a ton from Um, bigger spotlight, you know, that could even lead to more like endorsement deals and stuff there's just so much advantage for him like i could see why the indiana fan base would be annoyed by that like toronto fans would be livid oh yeah right if one of our players did that so i definitely get it but i also understand it from his point of view why he would want a better situation for himself so it doesn't make me that mad and i just think it's funny that he's just kind of out here shooting a shot you know yeah again like i really i really don't hate it right like he kind of took a he's obviously a very self-aware person. He kind of took a look around at like the temperature 
of the team he's on and like the, what the franchise's priorities are. And they made it pretty clear that, you know, it is him, but not really if something sort of better comes along. Um, and I don't know, you've got to sort of look at those cards on the table. And then if you can have any like control or proxy over where you can potentially go. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Do it. I, yeah, I, 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 if I were the Lakers, I would not trade those picks. And I know people might disagree with me on that, but I just like the Lakers are not winning a championship. All right. Like, no, I don't, this is the yeah. most overrated bad team in a really long time. <laughs> well, them and the Nets, right? It's funny to have yeah. two just like side by side the same, same season. It's very funny. Yeah. They are very overrated bad teams. The Lakers do not have a path to win a championship in the next, I would say, three years. Mm-hmm. Why would you? And they've already lost so many of their of their of their draft assets. Hi, puppy. Um, that it's like, why would you? Why would you keep bankrupting your future when you don't even have a present? That's how I feel about it. Like they're not going to be a good team in twenty twenty seven. And they're not going to be a good team in 2028. I feel like it's delusional to think that they're actually going to find a way to be good somehow because they've just shot themselves in the foot too much. So, I mean, trade for Miles Turner, sure, but I would not trade those picks. Yeah, because you also need like they've traded away kind of all their the good like players that they the role players that they need to sort of fill in the gaps around their stars. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And like, look what happens. Mm-hmm. So I'm with you. Like, I don't think it wouldn't be, it, it, the thing is like, it wouldn't make a huge impact either way. It would be great for Miles Turner, which is again, why I can't really find the energy to be angry about it. <laughs> I also like, can't really find the energy to be angry about it given like the other, all the other stuff we just talked about. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, cool. I love it. Uh, that is the kind of drama I enjoy. We love it. More guys <laughs> go on more podcasts, go on this podcast and talk about where you might want to go. Where are you looking at real estate? Yeah, like yeah. imaginarily online, everybody does it. Where are you I, looking? I would love there? to have a fantasy real estate conversation <laughs> with Miles Turner. That would be really fun. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. What kind of houses are you looking at? Uh, what uh, sort of neighborhoods are you interested in in LA? Yeah, I just play Selling Sunset. Hmm. You know that show on Netflix? Yes. Yeah. yes. I just play one of them. I watched that show during the pandemic and I was like, could I be one of those girls? Like they actually kind of got me into the fantasy a bit. And then I was like, no. <laughs> I mean, one being one of them like seems like a fuller time job than the real estate aspect, which yeah. I was sometimes like, when do they sell houses? But that's not why I watched the show, so it doesn't matter. It's not, it's not why any of us watch the show. <laughs> um, okay, let's move on to our Raptors Homer moment. So it's been a week of highs and lows. We had an amazing bounce-back game yesterday against the Atlanta Hawks after what was an embarrassing loss against the Philadelphia 76ers. Probably one of our worst losses in quite some time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I just want to ask you just – What's your pulse on the Raptors just based on this last week? Uh, I think it's good. I think there were some. Are you necessary... like, did you hit like heart attack level or anything like that? No. Um, <laughs> okay. No. We're too, we're too young for that, but maybe someday. Yeah, maybe some. Well, I hope not. I hope I wouldn't ever feel heart attack level off of a. No, no. Off of a 
early. I'm being dramatic. Second week of the definitely. Oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) Off of like second week of the season. (laughs) Um, it doesn't, it sucks because like what happened with the Sixers in that second game felt very much like an old sort of Raptors, Mm -hmm. you know, like habit come out super flat, um, Mm -hmm. not really be prepped and like ready or like be mentally, maybe you're like, yeah, I'm prepped and ready. And then like not actually be able to react and respond to the way that this team has adjusted. Like you're also playing them on a back-to-back. You both had like a day off. You know they're going to come out in a different way. You can't game plan the same. Maybe Nick Nurse didn't game plan the same. But whether or not like the team then kind of took those instructions, they just look super flat, no energy, kind of like they didn't really want to. And again, it's an early season game. So maybe they were like, okay. <laughs> it had seemed decided by like, earlier than the half right oh yeah um but then the hawks game that was great uh i think it was like i obviously like scotty barnes shooting the lights out didn't hurt i thought what was interesting was before the game nick nurse was talking about how he wanted to see more offensive intensity from scotty barnes and he actually was kind of upset by the fact that he hasn't seen that yet and what he meant by that was specifically like getting to the rim Mm. more and like using his size and his strength to get there rather than shooting from the outside. But then like as a coach, when he gets like three threes in a row (laughs) within like under four seconds, five seconds, Mm -hmm. you can't be like, don't take those shots when you feel like you have them. Yeah. yeah. So I get it. I get like that. Uh, Or also like you can't start him at point guard when you're like, I want you to be more of a traditional (laughs) like up around the rim like right (laughs) so uh and i think that goes back to just like the the fluctuation that we're seeing in the games like there's lineup adjustments nick nurse is scheming guys are getting used to like coming in and out at different like like different being at a different point in the lineup it's still like like the team skews younger so mm-hmm. it doesn't surprise me that there are adjustments or maybe they're not able to like bounce back uh, as swiftly as we would like again in that like Sixers loss. But I don't know. I feel like I feel pretty good from a Homer perspective about where they're at so far this season. There's a lot to like and be really interested in, you know, and that's like to me. Oh, yeah. That's what I want. Uh, overall, I also feel great from a Homer perspective. I, uh, you know, as as terrible as that 76ers game was mm-hmm. it's like if we're gonna have a game like that i'm glad it happened in october yes um i don't want to be in a position where maxi starts living rent free in our minds um the way marcus saul was living at joel and bead's mind for right. a bit there you know so definitely the next time we face them i want to see a serious game plan for that kid you know i mean shout out to him for having an amazing like career night and stuff but i don't want to be in a situation where it's like wow this guy just like really knows how to beat us so you know i'm not like worried or anything yet but it's also just sort of like a little bit in the back of my mind and i'm hoping that our next game against the 76ers we really uh kick some butt uh and i'm sure we will and i'm sure we will um pascal siakam Mm-hmm. is having a career season so far really really exciting stuff even some mvp talk mm-hmm. now i don't know if we're gonna get matt devlin saying mvp after his name or before his name every single time just to like will it into the universe like he did with freddie all-star and 
he kept saying like Scotty Roy, like he just he dropped the T for rookie of the year, Scotty Roy. But um, I don't know if we're gonna get to that level. Not that I would hate it because it worked. You know, he really, you know, the secret works with Matt Devlin. But um, what do you think are uh, Siakam's uh, MVP odds? There were a lot of MVP chants going at the game last night. Mm-hmm. Um, Scotty got asked about them. Pascal got asked about them, obviously. Um, I mean, it's not out of the realm. Like, this is still the great early time in the season where nothing is out except for the Lakers doing well. I think. <laughs> uh, nothing yeah. is really out of, or like the Nets figuring out what's going on. Nothing is out of the realm of possibility. Uh, I also think it's not unwarranted when you look at the way that he's playing, just like the intentionality that Pascal's playing mm. with this season um, and like the comfort and like confidence that he has when he talks about it. He's super loose, you know, he's like not really, yeah, he, I guess I could say he was a little bit cagey, but I think he had reason to be like several seasons ago. But, you know, now when he's asked like, why is it any different? He's like, you know, it's not like if I go out and yeah, he's like, I'm just comfortable finally in this idea of like, if I go out and, and like, you know, record zero points, I'm still me. If I go out and I like get 30, I'm still me. Like nothing has changed. Right. So mm-hmm. I think like self beliefs a really important part of it. Um, and it's just something that's kind of struck me being, you know, being back around the team and listening to him get asked these questions and kind of answer in the same sort of consistent way. And like, I think his play has also been a lot more consistent and that helps, but I think he's enjoying playing with, OG and this like nice defensive kind of spark that he's showing. Um, mm-hmm. I think he really obviously enjoys like playing alongside Scotty Barnes and kind of like the spacing that that affords him. Same with Precious and the extra shooting and with Gary, like everything is like really syncing up nicely uh, by design, I, I think. And, you know, for his own development, it's just, it's nice to see this leap. I don't want to like, jinx it but it feels um very solid to me so i don't think mvp is by any means like out of the realm of possibility because that's what it is it's just consistency yeah Jack, i com- yeah. <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> yeah no i completely agree and i love that he, that's kind of his attitude as well towards it like it doesn't sound like he's buying into the hype like he's mm-hmm. staying focused he's staying driven i mean i know he has like all nba first team goals and i really would love to see that happen for him mm-hmm. and i mean so far it's been a great start and it's been a very exciting part of being a raptors fan this season amongst i mean amongst many other things they've been a fun team to watch except for that one game where thank god i wasn't there in person otherwise i would have wanted my money back like i would have been writing letters <laughs> But um, because it is not cheap to see the Raptors. So when they drop a dud like that, it's major woof. But anyway, don't want to dwell on that. Um, I have another question for you. I feel like our bench is very intriguing this year. Mm-hmm. Um, really enjoying seeing Coloco this season. Um, I, and I feel like there's a bit of an informal audition process with the bench to see like who's going to be like, who's going to be our sixth man? Who's going to be our seventh man? Who's going to be a part of that tight rotation come playoff time? I, you know, during the playoffs, I mean, last year, I mean, 
Nick Nurse hardly played any guys, but during her championship season, he played about eight players. So I feel like he's probably looking for like a top eight. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering, you know, the sixth man spot come playoff time. Do you do we think it's going to be Coloco? Do we think it's going to be Precious or do we think it might be Chris Boucher? I mean, I think you just talked us through who the eight are (laughs) like. Yeah, I think that is going to round out the eight, to be honest. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I think I'd like it to be precious. To me, that just seems more of a mm, natural or kind of logical progression. And also the Mm -hmm. way that he's looked, his rebounding, all these kind of more, I wouldn't say necessary skills, but like these are like the extra kind of intangibles you want out of like a six man, right? Like you want Mm -hmm. them to be able to come off the bench and do everything like do a little bit of everything play really unselfishly and that was like some critiques that like precious got last season for example right um is just like always taking the shot rather than like looking for the best shot maybe somebody else has that so that's improved the rebounding's a great thing but i also think like coloco's been such a surprise mm-hmm. like a great great surprise like he already looks so much more i think fully formed and I use that like trepidatiously, you know, I'm, that's a bit <laughs> hyperbolic, but like <laughs> then we might've thought for, you know, uh, an athlete who has picked like where he was. Um, but that's like what the, what Masai and his team have like a, a pretty deft skill of. So I think it would be like precious, maybe Coloco and then Boucher. Mm. And just like in terms of order of like, who's getting picked first and that kind of six, seven, eight. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, I mean, I think you nailed it. It just, sometimes it, it doesn't have to be that complicated. It's like, you see it, it feels right. You named those guys already. There's a reason why, because they look, they look really good. And that's one thing I didn't even mention is like in this quest for Pascal's MVP, but also just like, depending on how far the team gets this season to finally have a bench again. Oh yeah. Major, you know, major. Um, I don't think it's going to like, I think the minutes aren't going to go any lower because like the minutes are always conditioning, right. For mm-hmm. the core group, but just to be able to like have a bench as a backup and not just a backup to like come in and play like, you know, a solid 10 to seven minutes yeah. a game when they're needed so that everybody can take a little bit of a breather and also like score, not just like hold it down, but also like advance the game. Uh, mm-hmm. it's it's gonna make like I think it's gonna make all the difference yeah I completely agree and I was so frustrated about that last season and I'm so happy that we found a way to tweak that um okay Katie it is you know it's time for a Nick Nurse hottie <laughs> highlight of the week a segment I think only I care about, but you never know. I feel like there's got to be some other Nick Nurse nurse stands out there. Uh, It's not an easy segment to uphold. I got to let you know, like, I do a lot of research for this. I got Mm -hmm. people on the ground, you know, sending me stuff to make sure I find a hottie highlight every week because these, you know, these polo shirts do nothing for me. But, um, you know, just that... (laughs) Just to let everyone know that Nick Nurse's son dressed up as Pascal for Halloween this year. Mm-hmm. How cute is that? It was very cute. Those pictures were really cute. Um, also, just the style that he chose to wear his headband in. It's pretty. <laughs> really, it was just the headband and the jersey, but yeah. he's young enough that that feels like a major. Yeah. You know? what, I mean, fly. what else are you going to do? Yeah, 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 yeah. That could fly. Yeah. Um, 
Oh, no, I think it's really cute. I guess I should start reporting to you more from games if I notice anything. Oh, I was going to say that. Yeah, um, I need resources. <laughs> on media day, I thought that um, the pinky ring was gone. But last night, lo and it behold, came back? it's on his finger. Whoa. Maybe it, went, it, maybe it was out for cleaning or something. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe misplaced somewhere. Um, no, that's very cute. I love like the I, like NBA um, Halloween seasons, kind of like more like my Christmas time. I love mm. seeing it. I, I like. I don't think Touchwood seen any Jokers, the Joker costumes mm. this season. Though it does that's seem odd. like every team needs to have at least one by mandate mm-hmm. of the NBA. But um, haven't seen any Raptors. Didn't have any. Scotty Barnes was a construction worker. I like Scotty that Barnes too. was a construction worker. Yeah. How did I miss that? Oh, he's, yeah. he's adorable. He's really cute. Um, uh-huh. Juan Chardonnay Gomez uh, and his partner were Neo, Neo and um, Harmony. Is that her name from the Matrix? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fun. Is that her name? I don't remember. I don't either. Well, it's been a while. I didn't watch the new Matrix. I did, but I don't remember. <laughs> Anyway, um, I love it. Love costumes. It was great. That was very cute. Yeah. And Katie, on Basketball Feelings, you do like an epic Halloween I do. article. Do you want to tell us about it? Sure. Um, so this started like the. I started doing them every Halloween. I want to say like six years ago, but I started writing these NBA fan fiction uh, stories for the classical, which was David Roth's like Grant Landish blog pre Deadspin pre Defector, um, mm-hmm. and the you know the topics ranged from like Paul Pierce is a vampire to Chuck Hayes getting lost in Texas one year driving a chuck wagon and he gets ambushed by Matt Barnes's evil gang of Plumleys. <laughs> this year, <laughs> in a very spooky uh, for my very spooky Halloween story. I wrote about the the mystery of like what is going on in OKC with all these picks. Why is this a team that seems like it gets really hot only to be pulled back and not progress? What's going on? Who's so obsessed with the picks that they can't get their clutches off of them? I will say it involves mm-hmm. a humanoid lizard, uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander, Josh Giddy, main characters, good duo, the heroics of one Lou Dort. Chet Holmgrim's factors into it. Anyway, you can read it uh, at basketballfeelings.com. Listen, these are the kinds of lizard people I want to read about, okay? Your NBA (laughs) fan fiction. (laughs) I was even a little bit like, I can't get into the lizard people conspiracy theories given everything that's going on right now and the temperature of like the league. Uh, So, you know, I didn't want to be labeled a conspiracy theorist in that vein. So there is a line in the story. I will spare you when... Chad Holgram asks Lou Dort, is, is the main bad guy, I can't spoil the whole story. No. It's like some kind of lizard person. And we're like, no, he's just a straight up lizard. So don't, <laughs> you don't get your lizard people theories here. There's something more diabolical afoot. No, that is so fun. Uh, it's such a great read. Uh, yes, please check out Katie Heindel at Basketball Feelings. Uh, you can follow her at whatevs, spelled W-T-E-V-S. Uh, Katie, you're one of my favorite basketball writers, and it's so great to have you on this podcast. And thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. And even when I'm here live in my panic room. <laughs>
every room looks like a panic room when you when you move to a new place true thank um, you uh, but thank you it's always a blast i obviously love talking uh, way too long with you oh well anytime <laughs> okay take care bye, bye.